8.44, hearing uh, former Prime Minister Theresa May's voice at the beginning of that um, is a reminder of just how far we've come on the Brexit front. And I think we're on the pulse now with that because we know where we stand and where we're heading this weekend, the big vote on Saturday. Um, but on the pulse as a segment is all about making sure that you're fully up to date with what's happened over the last few days. And Che hyung is here to tell us more about it. Good morning. Good morning. So we touched earlier this week on a lawmaker's claim that there was a blacklist uh, of prosecutors, which was slightly concerning. Every time we hear about these blacklists, it's worrying. Give us the details. Yes. Uh, At the parliamentary audit of the Justice Ministry on Tuesday, the ruling Democratic Party's lawmaker Lee Chun-hee, who is a member of the Legislation and Judiciary Committee, said that the Justice Ministry and Supreme Prosecutor's Office have been running a blacklist of prosecutors since 2012. Well, according to him, though it was abolished in February, under its internal regulations, they had so-called list of prosecutors who require intensive management and guidelines. So how do they actually select the ones to be on the list? Well, there's a list of selection criteria. So uh, prosecutors who have high potential of creating a displeasure based on their behavior and those who have violated regulations or ordinance related to their duty and also those who refuse to uh, follow a superior's order without a valid reason and those who create conflicts with their colleagues and lastly those who require an intensive management for other reasons. Well, lawmaker Ichori said that this regulation was implemented back in June 2012 and abolished in February this year. Well, he urged for a thorough investigation on the list and the reason for making such a list in the first place. And also he demanded the Justice Ministry to reveal the prosecutors on the list. What's the response from the, uh, the Justice Ministry and the Supreme Prosecutor's Office? Well, Vice Minister Kim Osu said he understands the purpose of the Lee's claims, but his assertions are too abstract. And also he said that he would look into the matter, but he would have to review whether to reveal the list, as some may not feel comfortable to publicize their personal information. And meanwhile, Supreme Prosecutor's Office refuted the claim the guidelines were made after corruption scandals involving so-called sponsors prosecutors. According to the spokesperson, the office has diversified internal reporting system and various evaluation forms have been implemented. So these guidelines were abolished early this year. Now, elite high schools, the government's trying to reform not just the prosecutor's office, but also these uh, particular schools that have seen as uh, hotbeds of favoritism. Mm-hmm. The so-called elite private high schools, right? Right. Yeah, the government is planning to transform uh, elite private school, or sometimes it's also referred as specialized high schools, such as foreign language and international high schools, well, into general institutions in 2025. Well, Education Ministry said on Monday that presidential office, government officials, and ruling Democratic Party held a closed-door meeting at the National Assembly last month, and they have been considering at uh, all at once transformation rather than a gradual phase-out, which was the original plan. Previously, it was seeking to transition such private schools to regular ones through performance assessment, but it was nullified as 10 schools took legal actions. Meanwhile, 14 other private schools which passed assessment will will be guaranteed with their status for five years, so it will be until 2024. But the timing of this transition will be in the hands of the next administration. So there is a variable. And also some criticize that such plan is not fair and students' rights to choose their high schools uh, should be protected.
Well, scrapping autonomous schools has been a top education policy, hasn't it, for the Moon Jae-in administration, that schools reinforce elitism and and entrench inequality, these particular ones. The, the Korean Teachers and Educational Workers Union is demanding complete abolition of the elite high schools as well. Yes, that's correct. Uh, well, on Monday, the KTU held a press conference to normalize public education and resolve the issues of inequality beyond college entrance exams. Well, it demanded such private high schools foreign language and science and international high schools to be transformed as regular schools or abolished. According to the union, this would allow curriculum to be centered with regular schools and also maximize pure effect. I mean, there are these special high schools as well that um, that are more vocational and are not so much about elitism at all, but mm-hmm. actually at the other end of the spectrum, offering kids who, who are not going to be going down the highly pressurized Sunung route an opportunity to learn particular skills to go straight into the workforce rather Mm -hmm. than necessarily university or if they are going to go to university to go to a a specialized vocational style Mm -hmm. college. Um, So we do have to be cautious how we approach the nuances of education. Thank you for raising it. Um, We've got another subject though, the trial for Ko Yujong, the the, the woman accused of killing her ex-husband. It's been ongoing since August. Uh, This week there was an interesting development, uh, some analysis on her defence mark. What's the latest? Yes, the fifth hearing of Ko Yu-jung, the suspect of killing her ex-husband at a pension in Jeju back in May, was held at the Jeju District Court on Monday. She's also suspected of dismembering his body and attempting to destroy the evidence by putting the body parts in plastic bags and throwing them into the sea. She has been claiming that she murdered her ex-husband because he tried to rape her. In, and in the first hearing, her lawyer said that she has evidence of defense marks on her right hand and left arm that show that she was trying hard not to get raped by him. However, Professor of Forensic Medicine with 30 years of autopsy uh, experience testified that he believes that they are not defense marks as the scars are parallel evenly, which can be seen when a person attacks someone repeatedly. And also he said that the scar on her left arm has been already healed and it is not related to this case. Yeah, I mean, this level of forensics is incredible, isn't it? Because from a layperson's perspective, you would think, well, how do you tell the difference between a mark that's left in defense versus a mark that your potential victim is leaving on you just while they're scrambling to survive? What did Go's lawyer say about this? Well, he defended by saying that the examination of these marks were conducted three weeks after the incident. And also the scars are from uh, when Go was trying to snatch the knife from her ex-husband. Meanwhile, there's another trial involving her and her stepson from her current husband was was found dead in their home in March. Uh, The husband was found innocent of that. What's the latest? Yes, the prosecution has been investigating whether Ko Yu-jung also killed her stepson, who was found dead on March 2nd, two days after coming to their home in Cheongju. The local prosecution has transferred the case to the Jeju District Prosecutor's Office now, so it's likely that the two cases will be combined. Uh, the National Forensic Service conducted an autopsy on the three-year-old boy's body and said he was presumed to have died from suffocation. And police found no wounds or damage onto organs and no poison or drugs were detected. Meanwhile, the police found that Ko searched the word suffocation online and she was using her phone around the uh, estimated time of murder. 
When a three-year-old just dies as a result of suffocation, it deserves a very, very, very close examination, obviously. Um, We've got another story as well, a Hungarian development with police there referring for indictment the captain of a cruise ship, a river cruise vessel that collided with a smaller vessel on the Danube River in May in Budapest, claiming the lives of dozens of Koreans. I'm sure many of us will recall this. Can you fill us in on the latest? Yes. Um, well, after a four-month-long probe into the accident, Hungarian authorities referred Ukrainian cruise captain Yuri Chaplinsky to the prosecution, recommending indictment for the negligence and other charges on Tuesday. Well, Budapest police announced the results of its investigation into the captain, who is the only suspect so far in the case and is under pre-trial arrest until November 30th at the latest. Police transferred the case to the prosecutors and proposed pressing formal charges, and he's uh, accused of misconduct leading to massive um, casualties and failing to provide assistance at the time of the crash. The accident killed 25 Koreans and two Hungarians, and while one Korean remains missing. It feels so long ago now. It's just the nature of the news cycle, the way we we were so focused on that. And then Mm. you get swept along by a wave of other stories. So just remind us, what's the prison term that he could face? Well, under uh, Hungarian criminal law, he could face uh, prison terms of up to 13 years if convicted, according to the police. Well, we, uh, we shall see how that one turns out. Thank you very much for making sure that we are entirely... On the pulse this morning, as for this week's developments, Che Hyungju. Thank you, Alex. And uh, that's just about it for today. We've we've had the opportunity to reflect on a number of very important issues this morning, including the need to go out and seek help for mental health issues, even if it's not a case of calling a number. Just reaching out to somebody can make all the difference. Can help trigger the. Uh, the path to recovery. And there are plenty of examples out there of people who have fully recovered. Um, We've got a big weekend ahead as well. Uh, Not only the only PGA Tour event uh, of the calendar in Korea uh, and the opportunity potentially for a homegrown player to uh, do well, leading at the moment. Um, But um, in, in addition, the return of domestic football and can't wait for that Korea series to kick off as well pitch off if you want to put it in those terms Um, but what we really from a global perspective many people are going to be wondering is what happens on Saturday the the Brexit situation we're going to see members of parliament vote on a deal which has been celebrated by Prime Minister Boris Johnson and which has been celebrated by EU leaders but which is already facing fierce domestic opposition and those members of parliament will have a chance to prove one way or the other whether that opposition is sufficient to stand in the way of Boris Johnson's deal. If uh, if it is proved, then we are going to see Brexit finally happen October 31st, the day of horror. Halloween I'm referring to. Um, we'll see whether you personally feel that's horror or not, but we'll have the opportunity to uh, discuss far more on that next week. Do join us on Monday at 7.05, uh, when no doubt we'll be able to digest whichever way it goes, because there is also the flip side, the possibility of just extending Brexit. And you'd have to say if that happens, maybe there is a possibility of just averting the situation altogether after all these rejections by members of parliament uh, stay with us uh, for Life Abroad with Nasun Yan next and let me also take this opportunity to say thank you to our producer Christina So our writers Im Yang-ju Jae Hyang-ju and Kim Hesu. soo